whatever avenue you are on, it's not cold and rainy. It's sunshiny. Yeah, sure, it's the 1st of August. That's okay. But the big thing for me is not the day on the calendar. Just the fact that it's what? What does this mean? Like 40 days until the Steelers open in Cincinnati? Is that right? The math is close, yeah. But this is not a math show. This is a stiller show, and we are so glad to be with you. It is the hangover, and we're hungover from, hey, the start of camp, which is very special. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, the host of The Hangover. I've got some great co-hosts that uh, actually keep me keep me in line and uh, keep me on this network. If it's not for these guys, I'd be in the cheese line somewhere. Tony Defio, what is going on? I am doing fantastic. It's uh, the first day of pads. So, you know, we're getting closer and closer. Like you said, 40 days away. And uh, we've already had so much in- interesting news since last Wednesday. So I can't th- can't wait to hear what more tidbits we get to find out in the next uh, couple weeks. Shannon White, what is lighting your black and gold fire right now? No, like Tony said, first day of pads and, and a lot of information and news coming out of camp today. So I'm excited to talk about it. Absolutely. And there's so much to, I mean, over the last week and so much to talk about. And first of all, if you want to listen to people talk about the Steelers, I don't think there's anybody better than the group here at BTSC. You know, come in the regular season, we're going to have 22 original shows every single week with the return of the Mike Tomlin press conference wrap-ups, whether it be a post-game press conference or that Tuesday press conference, whether it's going to be the big thing, the return of what becomes our signature show in season, it's the post-game show. But here's the thing. Shannon alluded to the fact that camp, we're hearing more and more every single day. There's so much to get excited about. There's little things to get concerned about. And we're going to talk about that. And that's mostly every time somebody comes on Twitter. And there's so much on Twitter right now because there's people there and saying that, hey, so-and-so limped off. And we had somebody sitting on a cooler with John Norwig, the trainer today. And it scared the bejeebers out of a lot of people. It might be minor, but it's still happening. And that was Najee Harris. So it seems like everything's okay, but we find out every single thing that happens. I'm surprised we don't have the menus of of what they're eating and what color Gatorade they're drinking and uh, who's texting who. I mean, we know so much, and it's great to know so much. But if you want to find out what's going on, BTSC is the place to be. Behind the steel curtain, absolutely If you love to read about the Steelers, then you're reading great stuff from Shannon White and Tony Defio and Jeff Hartman and the likes of Dave Schofield. Breaking news, those guys are bursting it out. Then you've got guys that you have never heard before. You've you've never read before. Now you're hearing from them on the editorial side. Daniel J is going to be writing. Also, my man. Kevin Tate, he's writing now too. So great, just really good stuff from them. They are, uh, they are also on the the podcast side as well. Jeffrey Benedict, you hear from him, you hear from KT Smith. You're going to hear from those guys on the podcast side, as well as the what Ian's talking about crew, as well as the three of us. 
as well as touchdown under. Don't forget about the Aussies. Yes, it is. I said it right, boys. Aussies. So, you know, really good. So, you know, Dave likes to call it the not the uh, one-stop shop, and I keep on correcting them. I keep on saying it's the non-stop shop because anytime you want Steelers stuff, in fact, you could go back in time and listen to stuff you missed. It's all there. Wherever you download your favorite podcast, do it. So who's downloading those favorite podcasts? I don't know because I'm seeing right now old favorites and new favorites that are in our live chat. Brian Brown's here, here, Jared Devil, John C., Claude Bishop, my man, Kathy Forward, a name I was wondering, Stacy Lynn's here. Haven't seen Stacy on Facebook in a while. Good to see her. I mentioned uh, John C., but Sean Manahan. So there are so many familiar names. We're glad to see you. We want to see names that we don't know, too. When I said we don't know who's downloading the shows, because here's the thing. You might be downloading the show on Wednesday in the privacy of your car, and I can't see it. But I thank you because you're just as important as the people watching live and mentioning us in the comment section. So you're very important to us, too. We cannot do these shows with each and every eye and ear, the sets of them that are checking us out. So we appreciate it. Now, let's do it. We got to talk about training camp. And training camp, man, I, I was talking last week. It was about, it was like Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. We were on for what I consider Christmas Eve because it's right before training camp opens. And it feels so good when training camp opens because it's a new day. And then you start getting some reports in. And some of those reports, like I said before, are, you're really excited about, but there's the opposite. It's the opposite, the people that are getting victimized from the ones that you're celebrating because offenses are taking on defenses. So, gentlemen, I'm going to start with you, Shannon. What stands out as something exciting and a concern all at the same time to you? Well, just based on last week, um, you know, the most exciting news was George Pickens just dominating. Um you know, I mean, there was a lot of talk about the quarterbacks, you know, who looked good and who didn't. But, again, it, without pads and, you know, the first week of camp. So, I think it was a little bit of overreaction. Uh, people was panicking that Kenny Pickett wasn't getting enough reps. and But then today he ran with the second team. You know, so, again, it's that's part of the competition. And, and Tomlin, and they have a plan. But Pickett's is just – he's always making some kind of spectacular catch – he makes all the routine ones too, but he really is shining in the diving catches, the contested catches, and he brings something that they just hadn't have last year. And then when you include uh, Calvin Austin the third in that speed, um, and they both had big days today based on what I've read, um, that's got to be exciting. Absolutely, it is. So I'm feeling good about that. Tony, is that your excitement, or is there something else? Well, I, I, I can't, I can't deny that I'm very excited about George Pickens. I mean, it, you heard so much about how this guy may have been underdrafted, and the, uh, and the only reason why he lasted till the second round was because of the knee injury. Mm -hmm. And if he, if he was 100 healthy, 
and he would have been the first receiver picked. And and it's it's a short it's a small sample size so far, but you're seeing evidence of that right now. The way he's dominated at training camp and the athleticism, the acrobatic catches. I, I am just I couldn't be more excited about him uh, right now. As far as the concerns, um, you asked that too, right? What am I concerned about? Probably, and, and it's again, it's a small sample size, and it, and it it's probably the, the struggles of the first team offense. Uh, behind Mitch Trubisky. But then again, like Jeffrey Benedict pointed out the other day on Sunday, uh, they're going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. They're going up against TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. And, you know, you're not going to always look good against those guys. So that's my only concern so far, because I think they're, they're counting on Trubisky being the, the starter. Uh, but you're, he's not going to face uh, defenses of that level week in and week out. So hopefully he can, he, he can figure things out, but it's not, it's not a major concern at this point. I think my, my excitement for Pickens is way higher than my concern about Trubisky in, in the first team offense. Cause it's so early. Absolutely. That's uh, something that is really important. We are going to talk about the quarterbacks as well as the receivers and the receivers are like, you know, Shannon mentioned George Pickens and to me, George Pickens, I'm almost cautious now about George Pickens. And the, the reason I am is because we have been on this bandwagon like crazy since the very start of his existence here in Pittsburgh, which was draft day. And there was a lot of excitement when he was, when you realized who he was and you found out that, okay, they value him more over sky Moore, which was Shannon's guy. And I'm hearing great reports about sky Moore. But when I hear reports of both Austin three and George Pickens, I think that's a little bit better than just one sky more. Mm-hmm. If they're, if they're both who they're being hyped to be. So what I'm asking here and what I'm really noticing here is when you think about how well these guys are playing, do we stop and think that, Okay, who are they doing it against? Tony just mentioned that the defense is really, you know, is making the quarterback struggle right now because they're facing great defense. But for all these great plays we hear about, and we heard about Anthony Miller making one today. We heard about Pickens making another one today. We heard about that 61-yard slant early last week from Calvin Austin the third. Claypole looks absolutely amazing from what they're saying as well so we're hearing all these stories about all these players but then you find out who the guy that was covering them one time you hear it's levi wallace the other time you hear it's cam sutton today you heard that then you hear it's akella witherspoon today is that concern for you guys or is that just us not realizing that hey they're working rust out Mm -hmm. Want me to go? Yes, I will. go ahead. I think I think it's uh it's not a major concern. Again, like Jeffrey pointed out on uh, Sunday, uh, these guys up until Monday they didn't have to worry about uh you know trying to deal with the uh, press coverage, the line of scrimmage, physicality because they weren't wearing pads. Um, but even once you get to that point where it, you know the hitting is real, the hitting is live, the quarterbacks they don't get hit. So you know, that's, that's even more time that these corners have to cover these guys downfield. So I'm not exactly worried just yet. Um, because we, we know the Steelers, uh, defense is, is, is 
fueled by the pass rush. It has been since the second half of 2016. So that element of the game, I'm confident it's going to be alive and well once the season starts. Because it, 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 why wouldn't it be? It's been so consistent for five and a half years. So I'm not that worried about that. You know, as I've said uh, before, and other people have said, receivers, especially talented receivers, should uh, dominate in these kind of settings, especially when when the pads aren't on like they weren't for the first four days of camp. So I'm not that concerned about it at this point. Well, that's great. Now, I'm going to swerve a little bit because we do have possible breaking news. And Uh-oh. I'm I'm it's actually it's good. It's it's oh, good. Okay. We BTSC <laughs> is currently looking for a second source to make sure that this is uh this is something that is official. But there are reports right now that the Steelers have signed Chris Boswell to a four-year deal. And that's just coming through. I don't know if that is uh Tony, what <laughs> Tony, that was like, he was all excited, and now he just like he sighed. Is that I thought I thought, be, for joy. I thought it was gonna be a left tackle. I was like, I was oh, gonna be a left tackle that replaced Dan, replaced Dan Moore because you know he sucks. All right, go ahead. I know you, I know you know I know you know that, but I was like, what? Um, it's great news if it's true, it's great news. So, right now, look, I'm a you know, our guys, Dave Schofield, Jeremy Betts, Jeff Hartman, they're looking into this. And but that just came out that that's hitting Twitter right now. So I'm not going to say it's gospel because we're still looking for we're still looking for a true source. And if that's true, that's fantastic. But we're let's treat it as a rumor for the rest of this show or until that I find that we're publishing it. So I think, but it's something I did want to go ahead and bring up that he's, we knew this was going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. we, mm-hmm. and when we say we knew it, it's just exactly what they were going to try to do. We knew he was the next priority. So that leads me to this. Who's the next priority? And I think we're not sure on who the next mm-hmm. priority is. And it could be somebody that's holding in. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I want to wrap up what we were talking about before. And we're talking about, we were talking about George Pickens. We're talking about the receivers and the secondary. And I don't know what to really think yet. I I heard what Tony said. I heard what Shannon had to say about it. It just, I just don't know. Um, Somebody mentioned in the live chat and I I thought it was uh, very interesting and I kind of lost it. Um, Oh, it was Britsburg Owen said bad Pickens is a top receiver. He'd make Jalen Ramsey struggle. So are we, are we a little too early on the Pickens train on the hype train? Is this too much hype for a guy that has not played a, even a preseason game yet? Shannon. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the fun of the preseason. (laughs) That's the fun of training camp is to, to, you know, get a little, a little bit of hype, hyperbole going and, and uh, hyping these guys up a little bit. But the bottom line is, you know, you could come to camp and, you know, go through the motions and we don't hear anything. But if you're making the kind of plays that Pickens has been making, people are going to talk. And, you know, there's guys there that we follow uh, each day, you know, beat reporters, and they're putting this stuff out on Twitter. And every time you turn around, it, Pickens did this and Pickens did that. And then we can see the clips and the guy's got, 
you know, incredible athleticism, body control, leaping ability, and he's got good hands. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he, you know, he's doing this stuff. So even though it last week it was without pads, and today at least you know with pads on, but it's legit. I mean, if he could do it uh, against the Steelers' defense, we talked about the the cornerbacks and should we be concerned? Last week, Levi Wallace missed two practices with some kind of illness. He might have had the flu. I don't know. Uh, they had Arthur Millette out there, and he even lined up outside a few times. They had undrafted free agent Chris Steele. Uh, they had uh, Palin, Pal- I can't say his last name right, uh, Palin's, uh, but he's an undrafted yeah. rookie. You know, so a lot of that, you know, that might have been why the secondary struggled is because you got all this talent, draftable talent, on the offensive receiver, and then you have all these undrafted guys that was playing a lot in the secondary last week. So some of the action happened against Witherspoon, and, of course, Wallace wasn't in there, and uh, against Sutton, but a lot of it was against James Pierre and Justin Lane, who are going to be fighting for a spot this year, and some of the undrafted guys. So um, it's a little bit of both. Um, there's no doubt that the Steelers wide receiver core has tons of talent, much improved from last year. And But the defense is not only the guys in there, uh, a lot of them are inexperienced, but they're new to that defense. All the rest of the defense is pretty much back and has been strengthened, but the secondary is still pretty new. So I don't think there's no reason to get be concerned yet. Tony, let me ask you this. Here's the thing about George Pickens. I think he could have the world at his feet. I I really think this guy could be absolutely amazing. But very rarely have we seen a rookie wide receiver come in and just dominate and become the WR1 of a team. Now, we saw it last year with Jamar Chase. We, I mean, real deal. He also had a little bit of a cheat code because he was catching balls from Joe Burrow right. for a long, long time. So those guys were not, not all, those guys were on the same page. Now, not always does that work. We saw that with Mason Rudolph and James Washington. We've seen that. I mean, that doesn't always mean that a quarterback and his wide receiver hooking up in the pros is going to be good, but we saw exactly what he did. And I don't think there's any turning back. For Jamar Chase, I think he's a superstar. I, I really oh, yeah. do. He's, and then, of course, him. of course, we can go back to a guy like Randy Moss. I mean, nobody is going to go ahead and uh, <laughs> no nobody's going to go ahead and say that that guy wasn't exciting back in 1998. Let me right. just take a let me just uh, break in. We're getting from Adam Schefter now, so we are going to. I, I feel like a political analyst, so we're going to call this. <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna call the state of the state of pittsburgh which is in the state we're gonna call pittsburgh for, for chris boswell for chris boswell chris boswell <laughs> is the winner of pittsburgh um adam schefter saying that the steelers are giving kicker chris boswell a new four-year 20 million dollar extension that includes 12.5 million guaranteed his agent jeff nally confirmed monday the four-year extension ties boswell with justin tucker as the highest paid kickers in NFL history. Guys, with the exception of 2018, when the man was beat up, 
and he was battling something. He has been absolutely incredible. One of the best kick- kickers of all time. And it's really funny because I've never seen a guy. You see guys burst on the scene and hitting a lot of fifties. Now you see him six, excuse me, six years in. And now he's, I mean, he's money from 50 plus. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. So the boss thing's true. I don't think that's, I don't think $5 million a year for a guy like Tucker or a guy like Boswell, who's feels like automatic is anything to worry about. Do you Shannon? No, no, that that's a, I'm thrilled. Uh, he's money. During the games, he's one of, you know, he comes through and, you know, so I think it's a, a, a very wise investment and, you know, honestly, I think he's the best kicker in Steelers history. You know, I've always said it was coming down to him or Gary Anderson, but Gary didn't have that range that Boswell mm-hmm. has developed. So, considering how clutch he is, too, I think they did it. They were really smart signing the best kicker in franchise history. I want to bring this up because I actually think this is, uh, I was going to mention this, and there's a laughing emoji next to it. But Mark Mazzaro's, and this is very true. Last time we gave Boz a contract, he went into the toilet. But the thing about that, he was hurt. I mean, he yeah. would, but he would not blame it on anything. He would not blame it on an injury. But, I mean, from reports coming out of Pittsburgh, was he was injured. But the guy was just saying, I'm off. That's what he's saying. I So I don't really think, I don't think it was the yips in a few if uh, you guys watch Ted Lasso and I say that word, you would have been like, whoa, you don't say the yips. You never <laughs> say the yips. And uh, if you're not watching Ted Lasso, watch Ted Lasso, by the way. But, you know, it's uh, that was one season that just, and he was still averaging about 90%. I think it was like that. So his average went down. But if you look at some of the great st- kickers in Pittsburgh Steeler history and the guys in the 80s and 90s, they weren't getting the percentages that these guys are getting now. So it's, I mean, (laughs) Chris Boswell to me is, is when I did digit digit dynasty, he's the greatest number nine in Steelers history. Was there a lot of great number nines? No, but he, he is absolutely the greatest. And Mm -hmm. I I think he will actually, I'm going to go ahead and, and not have a problem saying this. And Tony, I know Tony and I share, our love of the 80 Steelers. I know Shannon does too, but we've done this so much. Tony and I have done this together so much on uh on some different shows, especially you know when we were doing the retro show. Gary Anderson was not automatic. He is the greatest kicker in Steeler history, but I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that he was better than a lot of guys in front of him. And then I mean, he he was the best to come around, but then he was also, I mean, it, it was a different time, but his averages were around 80, 85, and he was a, he was a Pro Bowl kicker at times. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think uh, Gary Anderson is the player, and I love Gary Anderson. <clears throat> Met him when, one of the best days of my radio life when I got to interview him um, right. back in 1994. But Oh, that was a great day. But Gary Anderson, you know, he he missed some kicks. Remember that that great Denver playoff game? 
in uh yeah. in 1984 one of our favorite games he he missed several yeah two or three kicks in that game he yeah. did he did kick a big one but the i think chris boswell will go down in history as the greatest kicker in pittsburgh steelers history oh yeah and 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 you know as far as uh, gary anderson i mean he was kind of like the second part of the second generation of uh the soccer style kickers, I think like Gary Upremian was that first generation in the seventies. And then uh, Gary and Morton Anderson and those guys, uh, Matt Barr, Chris Barr, all those guys. And then, you know, it's just like any other position, you know, with each generation, they just get better and better. And, and we're seeing that today with uh, Chris Boswell. He's up there with Justin Tucker, the best in the league. And my, for my money, he's the best in the league. Uh, and as you said, he's, he was always been consistent and, and, you know, whether he was injured or you know, some people said he had the yips in 2018, I think he was injured, but even if he did have the yips, it just proves that you can have a bad year even as a kicker and re- recover from that. And, and if you're patient with them, if, if you re- recognize a quality kicker, when you see one, you don't panic and, and get rid of them. Like they could have that year. You, you bring him back and here he is again. He's even better than he's ever been. And he, his, his leg is stronger than ever. And he's, you know, when you go, when he, when he lines up for 54, 55 yards away, I'm, I have, the utmost confidence that he's going to make it even at Heinz field. And really he's the first kicker uh, in the history of that stadium, or I guess now it's AccraShore, the, the first in the history of that stadium that I can say that about, like, I don't, I don't sweat it at all. I, I firmly believe he's going to make it. So he's worth every penny. He's, he's dug them out of so many jams in, in the last four or five years. And, and with the offense, you know, perhaps being a question mark for the next year or two, you don't know. He's going to, he's going to be integral to their, to their success moving forward. Yes, absolutely he is. And, you know, Shannon, I wanted to get your opinion on Mr. Gary Anderson because I I still think he's one of my favorite all-time Steelers, and he's phenomenal. But I just don't think that he, compa- he compares right now to that of Chris Boswell. So I'd like you to weigh in on this. Yeah, like I said, uh, I was a big Gary Anderson fan. And, you know, remember Gorilla – you know, you know, goodness, oh, he was... over 50 percent some <laughs> seasons, miss half of them in the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I just thought that you know, if a kicker made one out of two growing up, that that was okay, right? And then I started seeing guys like you know, Murphy and some of these guys, you know, and for the other teams, and I'm like, well, you know, you can make them, you know, even though we couldn't, and then you had uh, Chris Barr. And uh, Matt Barnall, you know, those guys, if it was past 45, you know, you, you, no, they ain't going, you know, don't try it. (laughs) But Gary was that first guy, the great kicker in stellar history. And and, uh, so it was a huge fan of the guy and a really good individual. But Boswell's just got, he's got everything on him. He's clutch. He's got the stronger leg. He could, you know, he can put it in the end zone for touchbacks on kickoffs. Um, I just think that that Boswell's the, the like I said the best kicker in Steelers history. And you know what I look, I know we've got Ravens hate. I have no hate whatsoever for Justin Tucker. I really I don't. have fear. I yeah. I mean I I hate the fact that the man wears purple. But and and you know it's a little known fact, but Tucker talks about this that he was contacted by both teams. And he seriously considered going to the Steelers. Wow. But but he uh they still had Sweezum at the time though, and it was just 
it was just a better fit for him to go to Baltimore. And he went in there and, and uh, he sees the day. And I, I get really, in fact, I get so excited when he misses that rare kick because it just doesn't happen. But I think, I figured out how to make him miss kicks. I pick him up for every one of my fantasy teams. <laughs> Go ahead, Shannon. But, you know, if, here's the thing. You've got Tucker, who I will admit is the best kicker in the NFL. And I think Boswell is right there with him now. You know, because he improved his range like we've talked about. But there's a big difference in the two players. Boswell is very humble. And Tucker is very cocky. <laughs> I mean... You know, so what he does miss, you you just eat that up because, you know, he's just up there celebrating and look how great I am. And, and, you know, and he is, but he lets you know it in interviews and on the field. So when he misses, it brings a lot of joy to my heart. Doesn't he play the tuba or something or the cello <laughs> or he, he plays like classical music or something? I have so. a. Go ahead, Tony. Sorry. Oh no, I, I just have I just want to share one little uh, anecdote about my uh, how much I respect Justin Tucker. I, I, like Shannon says, you know, I fear him. I, you know, um, that game three years ago when when Duck came in for for um, for uh, Mason when he got knocked out and it went into overtime and, and Marlon Humphrey knocked the ball out of uh, Juju's hand and it caused a fumble. It was like the forty five yard line. I was over my uncle's and I was in a bad mood. I just I fell a few days earlier like suffered a concussion and like my, my, I was in a bad mood. So I said, that's it. This game's over. I'm going home. It was at the 45 yard And I knew they were good. I knew he was going to make that. They were going to get just close enough for him to make it. They only needed five yards at that point. And, and, and sure enough, uh, they kicked the game. He kicked the field goal and they won. So that's how much I respect uh, Justin Tucker, even though I'm not, he's not one of my favorites because he's a Raven, but I still respect and fear him. No, I mean, I, I know to, uh, I know to hate him on game day, but, really know what what i like about them um so t-bars coming in with this um a, a few people are coming in with this and i just looked it up and you guys beat me to it because tony was talking so i couldn't get in <laughs> but terry biddinger said it also um jared devil said it yeah he's an opera singer which is amazing um so he's an opera singer do you know that we have somebody here, and it's not me. Do you know we have a classically trained singer here at BTSC? Yes. You, okay, Tony knows. Shannon, do you know that? No. I'll let you guys guess in the live chat who who the classically trained singer at BTSC is. And I'll, we'll tell you towards the end of the show. Remind me to tell them. But you can go ahead and put in the live chat. You can put your guesses. You uh, You might be surprised, or maybe you won't be with this it is not me i'm going to tell you that already not me it could be tony it could be shannon um so it's not me with, with that <laughs> now i want to sit around the fire now i mean this look if if i'm say if i hope this isn't offensive but i want to get a banjo and sit around the fire with shannon white i bet you we can we could be singing the thank god i'm a country boy and uh picking on the fiddle and and all this and why do I? I mean, I just think that would be a whole lot of fun making mountain pies. <laughs> so there, there you go. Um, wow, some some names coming in. Uh, Dave, Maddie, Maddie D, which uh, um, 
that's a cross between Maddie P and Maddie D. Um, Marky D. Um, Jeffrey Benedict, a lot of people think. Um, Josh Parker saying Jeffrey Benedict or Jeff Hartman. So yeah, keep on thinking. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, Brian Brown says it's going to be Jeff with that hood on his head. Um, <laughs> um, Stan the Steelers saying it's Jefferson Hartman. Um, gosh, a lot of votes for Jeff coming in. So I'll just go ahead and say, yeah, it's Jefferson Hartman. Jeff Hartman is a classically trained musician and a singer. He's he's absolutely fantastic. And he reminds me of Tucker at times. <laughs> but he's not cocky. He's not he's not cocky like like No, that. he kind of looks like him. Oh, he looks like him. Yeah, he, I yeah, guess he does. Yeah. <laughs> well um T Bar says, I guarantee Shannon White could sing all of Fishing in the Dark. I don't know what that is. I don't know what Fishing in the Dark is. Is that is that a country song, Shannon? That uh I'm not sure either. What's your favorite campfire? Tony, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Shannon, what's your favorite campfire sing-along song? Um I don't do a lot of singing at the campfire, to be honest. Okay, is there something you love to sing along to? No, I, I can't sing. I'm not no, a good but, singer. I mean, I'm a horrible singer, but I, but I think it's presence. I, I think I, yeah. I'll sing in front of audiences because I love presence. I mean, I, I love, uh, I love play. Oh, I mean, performing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I like to have fun and everything, but I, I'll just, you know, it, it's a wide variety of stuff I might sing. Do you sing in the shower? No. <laughs> okay. You don't see the shower. I look. I don't want anybody to picture Shannon naked. I'm sorry, um, but um, I, you, you don't sing in the shower. No, Tony, you sing in the shower, right? Oh, of course, I do it all the time, and I always sound really good. And then, same with when I'm in the car. But then when I go to karaoke, I sound like crap. So I guess uh, that exposes me. Karaoke exposes my uh, horrible singing voice. Well, if you guys would have come to my 50th birthday party, which you were both invited to. Um, you would have heard me sing in front of a live band. It was one of my bucket list things. Jeff and Dave saw it live. I sang Hurt So Good and I sang Centerfold. So oh, I would love to see that. I, I'll, I'll send you a video. If you, I was wearing a Cobra Kai gi too because it was an 80s party. So um, Chris May sang Fishing in the Dark is Creedence Clearwater Revival. Love some. I, you got to like CCR, Shannon. Yes. I figured yes. you would. Um, yes, I do. So that's that's interesting. And Yankees fan is saying uh Shannon gets a lot of love and and uh someone called Shannon the man earlier, but they're mentioning your once a time in Hollywood framed picture behind you. Is that yours? Is that or is that your son's or your wife? It's wife's? my son's. It's my son's. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a great movie. My wife hates it. It is. I think it's he loved movie. it, so we got it because yeah, my wife don't like it either, but me and my son do. So I, I love Tarantino though, but that's just me. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> well uh Okay, Sean Manahan is saying no. Fishing in the Dark was Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, but I still love me some CCR. I could hear Shannon singing. Have you ever? Heard... Uh... <laughs> uh, gosh, my gosh, the rain. Um, I want to know. Um, so, anyways, let's let's get back into this. So, one thing, all this, all this thing, all this stuff that I did here by getting off track and off subject with the Boswell thing. It's because you guys in the live chat are driving me crazy. I love you, <laughs> but you're driving me crazy. 
I didn't bring up Deontay Johnson completely to you. Let me run the show. I got this. <laughs> so you guys ask him. So I will go ahead. We'll, we'll talk Deontay Johnson. Oh, and I know you don't like Deontay Johnson. I get it. Everybody knows it. You can go to, you can go to Russia. You could walk in and say, Ooh. Hey, I'm Owen. And I you know what they'll say? Oh. You, you, oh, no, I would never say that. <laughs> but would go ahead and say, oh, it's Owen. We know he doesn't like Deontay Johnson. And we get it. And I, I understand that. Everybody has the players that uh, that wear them out. I definitely get that, too. But what I'm bringing up here, it's... Sorry about that. It's hard to say what a player is worth and what he's not worth to the team. You know... Debo Samuel got money today. Then we saw Terry McLaurin get it. DK Metcalf got it over the weekend. And we saw Tyreek Hill got it. You know, all these guys are getting, all these wide receivers are getting the money. And I know. Yes, I did sing at Scout Camp. That, uh, oh, and I did sing. I, I did my own version of Country Roads. But... So these guys are getting the money. And then you have the hold-in, which I am not a big fan of the hold-in. Now you could say, hey, hold-in worked for TJ Watt. TJ Watt's not in the situation that Deontay Johnson's in. And it's not that, look, ne I will never say that a player shouldn't think that he's worth the money that he, that he thinks he's worth. Because guess what? You know, he's a professional. He is worth the money that he thinks he's worth. And somebody put it in the live chat, and I'm going to say it again. Somebody is going to pay him money that that he wants. Right. Might not be the Steelers. If the Steelers pay him the money that he thinks he deserves, then the Steelers know what they're talking about. They know what they're doing. But the Steelers are a different situation and I'm just going to say about this whole thing that this is very dangerous. A hold in for TJ Watt was not dangerous. Last year was when is TJ Watt coming back? <laughs> because he had nothing behind him. But I don't know if anybody's quietly noticed Chase Claypool seems to be a different, a different mature spokesperson for the Steelers. And he seems to be a guy that is ready to grab the mantle. And with DJ holding out, DJ makes it a whole lot harder for the Steelers to pay him. But I'm sorry, holding in. Now, he did a lot of work today. He did more work than he has ever. It was just reported. And I mean, ever in camp. He was catching. This is the important thing for me. He was catching balls from quarterbacks he was also being shadowed by assistant coaches and, and trainers um, acting as defensive backs I'm more concerned about rhythm and timing quarterback to receiver I think that's the most important thing but when you have two stud guys rookies coming in turning a lot of heads you've got a guy like Anthony Miller that's saying hey what about me you've got Chase Claypool ready to turn the corner and wanting to uh wanting to be the man, especially with, with Juju gone, 
then it becomes dangerous. It, it becomes more dangerous for Deontay Johnson to be not in practice than to the Steelers because the Steelers could have alternatives. I know I'm going a little bit long on this. The last thing I'm going to say is I think the Steelers would be better with Deontay Johnson in the lineup than him not being in the lineup. I think they'd be better with him in camp than him not being in camp. I think he makes them a better team and helps them be a better team. Can they live without him? Possibly because they've been a wide receiver factory. But the problem is right now for this year, DJ can't live without the Steelers for this year unless he forces a trade. And some people are asking about that, but the Steelers don't work that way. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to start asking Tony Defio, what would you advise Deontay Johnson to do if you were his agent that did not get the 10%? If you were just I would, I would advise him to keep doing what he's doing to hold in. I mean, because he's getting his work in and he has he has a he has a track record, he has a resume in in, in the league. And uh as far as as the, uh, the other guys passing him by and, 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 and making it easier for the Steelers not to pay him. That might be true, but I don't think, I don't think they were going to pay him. They're not going to pay him anyway. Cause I think they have an abundant mindset when it comes to receivers. I think they feel like they can, they can draft a receiver and develop them as we're seeing with uh, George Pickens early on. And of course the last couple of years with uh, Chase Claypool and of course with, uh, with uh, Johnson himself. I mean, they, I think they feel like they don't have to pay him what he wants, but, that doesn't mean he's not worth it. So if I was his agent, I would say, look, they're probably not going to pay you, um, but I would keep, you know, avoiding as much risk as you can. This training camp, get your work in as much as you can next year. We'll take it to free agency and, and we'll get our money next year. Cause you know, they, they could say what they want in the live chat. Owen could say he, he's only worth 10 million, but that's, that's baloney. Obviously uh, if you, if you put his numbers up against a lot of these other guys, including Debo Samuel, he's worth at least 20 million a year. I'm not saying, you know, um, the Steelers should pay on that because I personally think that that they are good at drafting receivers. They're not as perfect, as, as good as people think, but they're, they, they have a pretty decent track record. Um, but, you know, it looks like Pickens might be the real deal and Ch- Claypool's getting better and you never you don't know with Austin. Uh, so I would I would move on from him if I were them because, you know, you don't have to pay him $20 million, but it doesn't mean he's not worth it. You know, I want to jump in and say one thing that you brought up, and I like that you brought up Debo Samuel. One thing that Debo Samuel got that nobody else has been getting and what Le'Veon Bell wanted was he got paid some running back money too. His, uh, he, he, they took in consideration the fact what he does as a runner and as a receiver. And that's something that was an issue three and four years ago, or actually now four and five years ago now, when we were talking about the Le'Veon Bell drama. So, you know, that's something interesting to know. I agree with you that he's worth a lot of money. I almost think that these receivers right now, oh, here we go again. Um, And I'm not talking about that. I'm just, uh, Tony, you want to grab that for me? Sure. And uh, I spam a lot. So, no, wait, don't put it up. No, no, no! I'm trying to. I can't find. I can't. I can't find a thing. Uh, there it is. Right, I couldn't find it. Wasn't. It wasn't popping up. The. Uh, the. Uh, 
the, the, the three little knots weren't, weren't popping up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Right. Could we get that off the screen though? I, I try. I'm trying. Okay, here. I'm just, I'm just going to pick anybody to get rid of that. Okay. There we go. There we so, go. Uh, yeah, we get we get some unwanted spam from time to time. So um, <laughs> this is the most I've ever seen Shannon White laugh as as I'm panicking on the other end. Um, oh goodness gracious! See, this is what you miss when you're not in the live chat. Um, we are not sponsored by that. I will just tell you that. Um, Steelers freak says the wide receiver room is stacked with depth, and the only area on the team i'm not worried about it um yeah and that's the thing and uh owen says dj will be traded by week one should we make a bet with owen on that do you think he's traded? Uh, I, I i don't think he no. is no i, the, I don't think so I the think closest the closest thing to him getting traded i think would be would be october 31st if it's just at, a, at an impasse and they can get something decent um go ahead shannon I was I've just been waiting to, to say something about this as y'all been talking about it. Um first off, TJ Watt, his value above replacement player, you know, is is no comparison between the two. Nobody was gonna come in, no two players, and match the production of TJ Watt. So as we said earlier, it was a done deal. DJ has two guys at least probably on the team that can match his production this year. We do not know what his value is to the team and Matt Canada's offense because we've never seen Matt Canada's offense. So saying, well, look what he did last year and the year before in an offense with no offensive line, with an old immobile quarterback that had to get rid of the ball in under two seconds, he was the only guy that could get open. That's his elite trait is that he could get open really fast. He gets great separation. So being forced fed him the ball, he had to. It was he was forced to. Who the latter part of the year? Who else did he have to throw to? Juju was hurt. Ray Ray McLeod, who's basically needs to be a punt returner, kick returner only. Now the Steelers have options, and so I think DJ's value is less for the Steelers than it was last year for sure. Now he might be worth twenty million somewhere. And in a certain offense, and that's great. But he, I don't think he is in Pittsburgh in Matt Canada's offense. If he is, he's got to prove it. And the only way he can start proving it is to practice and participate. So whoever his agent is, is giving him horrible advice. You know what? I'm I'm uh, signing with, te with Team Shannon on this, uh, really. you. I said this with Le'Veon Bell. And hey, what did we hear from Le'Veon Bell? If he had a time machine, he'd go back to 2018. We knew that D, that uh, agent was uh, pushing him in the wrong direction because there's one thing that agents are trying to tell these guys, oh, you could be the highest paid wide receiver in the game. You could be the highest paid running back in the game. You could be the highest paid this. They but went really, through 10%. Yeah, because they get that 10%. <laughs> but the bottom line to it is... Isn't there a little bit more than that? Because three months later, someone else is becoming the highest paid. Uh -huh. Antonio Brown yeah. hated that when somebody else came along and beat us. Right. Beat it. And I hated it when somebody beat it because I knew AB was probably going to pout about it. But the thing is, when AB was on the field, AB forgot about all that garbage. 
And that that was the great thing about him. A lot of people are talking about, you know, I mean, some people are talking about him fading down the stretch. I could talk about some games down the stretch where he did, where he did look pretty good. That Indianapolis game that saved the Steelers, the playoffs two days after Christmas in 2020. I mean, I thought he was phenomenal in that game. Guys, these players hit walls too. You know, that that's something that, that definitely happens and you're not, even the great ones don't put up, don't put up over a hundred yards every single game. So no, I don't think he faded um, as much as some people will will think. I just think. But, go ahead, Tony. Well, I'm sorry. I, I just think it's disingenuous when, when people say he's, he's not a good receiver. I mean, that's just that's just idiotic. Obviously, he is a good receiver. He just, he just maybe he's not valuable enough to the Steelers because of of their mm-hmm. success with dra- drafting receivers. It doesn't mean that he's not worth 20 million. The league tells us that he's worth 20 million, but he's probably not going to get that here. So when, when people say, you know, he's not a good receiver, that's, that's poppycock because he's done, he's done a great job for three years on, in a compromised offense. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I just think the only target, right? Well, I mean, he was the only option. It's like a a bad basketball. I mean, a good basketball player on a bad team, his numbers are not, legit because he was all they got and that's right. what that's you know johnson was force fed that ball and you know and he did a good job when you consider that he was the only target yeah you know that's there's right. difficulty there especially with being being old and immobile and you know i mean so he i'm not saying he's not good i'm just saying that we right. don't know what he's worth in right. Matt canada's offense right now because we've never seen it yeah, I don't think he's worth twenty million here because I don't think they they need to pay him that mm-hmm. much because I, I don't think they need they need him at that price. But other teams could. If there's yeah, no Chase yeah. Claypool, there's no George Pickens, and there's no well, let's just put it this way, and there's no Calvin Austin the third. Um, right. Let's just say that we're looking at those three guys not being here, and you're looking at Ray Ray McLeod. You're looking at maybe a guy like a Cody White. You're looking at um, James Washington and DJ. You're finding a way to pay DJ. Right. You know, I, I think you are. He's just a product of what else is on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And, the, and that's the bottom line to it. I think he is a number one wide receiver for a team. And I think he could lead a team. Um, remember, the last couple of years were weird. Because mm-hmm. his first year, he's dealing with Duck Hodges and dealing with Mason Rudolph. And it was a different situation. But he had a nice, he had a, still had a good rookie season. The second year and the third year, he's dealing with a Ben Roethlisberger that is, is uh, trying not to get murdered and dumping the ball off really mm-hmm. quick in less than two seconds. So is he getting, somebody mentioned, Jennifer said this. And I like this. The Jennifer. I'm going to bring Jennifer up. I like this. Jennifer's my wife's name too, so I, I'm partial to Jennifer's. <laughs> I, your wife is Jennifer. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, there we go. <laughs> I I just feel that all the crap Steelers Nation is giving him. He's going to say trade me, and I'll show you. Hey, you know what? And that might that might be where they go in this. But right now, the bottom line to it is you don't want to just go rash. You. Did you see what happened with James Washington today? He got his foot rolled up on at practice. No, I did the not. Cowboys, 
and they're afraid he's got a serious foot injury. And and I hate it for the young man, but wouldn't it be something if because the Packers need a receiver too? But if the Cowboys wanted to take a look, uh, talk to the stewards about trading for Deontay Johnson, what you know, what would the odds be of that happening? And but the Cowboys, the Cowboys are given st- the Cowboys have no problem mm-hmm. getting rid of a a draft pick. They we saw it with Amari Cooper. We've seen it so many times over the years. Man, that that would be really interesting. And like, what if you get a number two for the guy? Yeah, you could you could squeeze a number one out of him possibly because he's got Pro Bowl next to his name. But there, I mean, there's so many things to talk about it. I just feel like that we're not giving Deontay Johnson for what he's accomplished the respect that he deserves. He came after Antonio Brown, and he also played. I mean, we're looking at some stats. Owen put up some stats, and you know, I'm not denying those stats, but I'm also, I'm also looking at the fact that no one else was tearing it up in those games too. And the quarterback has a lot to do with deal with it. Um, the pressure that the quarterbacks, an immobile quarterback, has mm-hmm. a lot to do with that too. So, there, I mean, there, there's a lot to look at. I'm taking six catches in a game from most wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm taking five catches, 34 yards. Yeah. But they're also on slants and, and that's uh, I'm taking eight when it's eight for 31, you know, he's getting the ball. That's a, that's a two yard pass. So, you know, I, I really think that there's a lot to look at here. There's more than meets the eye than black and white and sucks and doesn't suck. Um, mm-hmm. so right. Right. I, I just, exactly. just think that's something, <laughs> something to look at here. But if we go back to the original part of this conversation, I don't think he's doing anything, doing himself favors though, by not getting in there. My thing is, is like somebody said, you know, it goes to another team and I'll show you my thing is like, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll show you too. I'll show you right now. Um, but here's the thing. If you look at it, everybody has the number one wide receiver and everybody has their leading wide receiver. He's a Steelers leading wide receiver and I'll take him. He's a thousand yard wide receiver. He is a pro bowler. I'll take him. Now, if he leaves, you better be darn sure that somebody can go ahead and be able to fill his shoes because don't get into a Cinderella situation here with you don't know what you got until it's gone. Right. And that's what I that's what I'm afraid that a lot of people are thinking because these guys have not shown that they're better yet. But Chase, excuse me, not Chase, but DJ is not showing that hey, I'm still the man by being in there. Right. Final thoughts, fellas. You can go you go first, Shannon. I think if you know he says he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. And he wants to be a stiller, and I believe him. He has no reason to, to, you know, be dishonest about that. I think if he's willing to accept seventeen, maybe even eighteen million, I think the stillers will talk to him. I think if he's wanting twenty plus, like a lot of people are saying, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But then I wonder: is he going to start practicing? Is he going to, you know, continue to hold in and force a trade? That's what I was worried about before training camp started. And that's why I suggested maybe a trade at that point, because I didn't want it to hurt his trade value 
if it was obvious that he was going to, you know, hold out. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that the Steelers were considering, but the price has to be right because yeah, we don't and, know what he can do in this offense. Yeah, I th- I think that's a guy. I mean, this is not a good comparison, but they would have never traded Josh Dobbs for that fifth round pick if they knew Ben was going to go down right, right after they traded him back in 2019. Now, is Josh Dobbs a savior to the team? No, but they would have they would have definitely not dealt him because then they put him in a situation where eventually they they had a fourth option in there. So actually, I mean, do you consider that a fourth option or do you consider that a fifth option uh, at that point? I guess, I guess a fourth option. So, you know, that that's kind of what I'm looking at here. I just, uh, I'm one of those guys that I don't give up on something until I'm perfectly sure that what I still have whether it be luggage, whether it be anything that what I still have is good enough to do the job for me. I just don't get rid of it. I, that's just something that I don't do, but this has been a great discussion. Tony, your final thoughts. Well, I, I, it's been a fantastic, it's been a spirited show. I, 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 we've covered a lot of ground, but my thing is, and I know people and I, and I agree, he's not on the level of a TJ Watt or a Cam Hayward as far as what he, what he means to the team, but I don't think they think that way. These players, I mean, they 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 don't think well. They don't they don't think well. I'm not as important as T.J. Watt, so I shouldn't hold in. They think well, my employer, my coach, is letting T.J. Watt or Cam Hayward hold in. Uh, why why can't I do that? So you remember last year there was that fight between Minka and I think it was Chase Claypool. It was and, Chase and Chase. Yeah, yeah. And, and what did he say to T.J. Watt? Apparently, according to their inside sources, you're not even you know. T. I guess T.J. Watt was uh, yelling at him. He said, "Well, you're not even practicing with us. You're not even a team player." So. They don't look at those guys as like, oh, well, you're above us, so you can do whatever you want. Uh, we'll, we'll do whatever we want, or we'll, we'll do we'll do what the team wants, and you guys do what you want. They, they think of themselves as coworkers, and our boss is letting them do that. So I'm in this what I think is a similar situation if I'm, if I'm Deontay Johnson. So why why shouldn't I hold in too? So I, I don't know. This is a precedent that I don't know how they're ever gonna that they've set. I don't know how they're ever gonna nip that in the bud in the future with with, with future uh, guys in similar situations. Yeah, I I don't like the hold in. I'm not I'm not a fan of the hold in. I think there's more animosity because of that. Um, TJ had the smoke that he was able to do it. You know, he mm-hmm. was he was able to do that. I don't think it's going to work, but work with everybody else. You know, you know the, the final thing to say about it is I think this whole situation on whether you see a guy like this guy Deontay Johnson traded to another team. It all goes down to one man. I don't think it is George Pickens. I think it's Chase Claypool. Uh-huh. I think he is the deciding factor. Just when you think you got all the answers, Tony Defio. We keep changing the questions. 